Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You absolute legends. Welcome back to another episode of Fat Chat by Body Magic. The episode today, I'm that excited uh, for everybody to finally listen to. I uh, filmed it in Melbourne a couple of months ago. And yeah, this was so nostalgic for me. Some of the stories uh, and listening to the uh, the great man uh, tell everything there was uh, about his career. I'm joined by Michael Barlow, who is just one of the nicest blokes in footy. He's got su- he's such a great storyteller. The amount of stories that he's got of on-field stuff, Ross Lyon stories, um, stuff that he learned all throughout his rehab rehab uh, process with a really nasty injury that he abstained uh, in his first season at Frio that uh, could have almost been career-ending and how he fought his way back uh, was super insightful and I can't wait for you to hear this one. You're going to have a lot of laughs um, and so amazing that at the end of the pod we're actually talking a little bit about sort of what was next for uh, for Mick and he was sort of talking a little bit about his loving coaching and maybe hopefully getting into the other uh, coaching space at some point and just recently a couple of weeks ago he signed on to be an assistant coach at North Melbourne which is amazing so I think you're all going to absolutely love this episode and make sure if you haven't already, if you follow, subscribe or like any of the Fat Chat episodes on Spotify, uh, YouTube or Apple Music, it really goes a long way into getting great guests just like Mick every single week and just growing the podcast. And obviously the more subscribers, the more followers we have, the bigger the production can get, the the more cool guests we have on, the more giveaways, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be, um, you know, and I can only do that with your support and just takes two minutes of your time to do that. Uh, we've also got a great giveaway that I'll be uh, chatting a little bit more about uh, in the middle of the episode. So listen out for that one. Uh, But as always, hope you enjoy the episode and bloody love your work. Welcome back to another episode of Fat Chat. I am over the moon. I've got the man sitting next to me today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he is a an absolute icon down uh, Fremantle in the football world. So he played 141 games uh, for both Frio and mm. the Gold Coast Suns as well. Three-time Ross Glendening medal. Unbelievable. Everyone forgets to put um, Alan on the back of Yes, we we'll have to do that. Is it, has it always been Alan? It hasn't. You know, you know how it is in the West. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they're West Coast Always uh, dominant, West Coast. And definitely. now they thought, a bit of tokenism, let's throw a Fremantle name on the end of it. Jumped in even before. It's going to be such a good chat. This I already know. Even before I've uh, said who it is, please welcome Michael Barlow, mate. Welcome, uh, welcome, welcome. Didn't know I was meant to uh, wait. No, wait this is great. The, no, no, wait, no. Wait no. The, I think uh, this is punchline. It's going to. Uh, it's going to set. I think that just sets the scene for everything we're going to be talking about doing. I can't mm. wait to hear all your stories uh, from uh, from all your career. How how you been, mate? Good. Yeah, really good. Um, very busy this time of year. Kind of right in the mixer of footy season. Yeah. Um, with all that you're I do, you're doing so, media. You're doing coaching. You're doing yeah. Everything. So. Do a kind of myriad of things and, yeah. and love it. And, and a young family now, so I've got a um, 10 and a half months. I'm just checking my watch to figure out <laughs> how old she is. 10 and a half month old daughter, 
Uh, Been a bit of an adjustment. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Any more bags under the eyes or not too bad? Sleeping really well, actually. That's good. Um, That's just age, which is what what you're seeing on here. Now, life is hectic this time of year, but uh, as I said, um, busy, but... Yeah, very fulfilling. No, that's good. And, uh, you know, you're such a busy man. You've got all sorts of things going on. But you've always been a big supporter of Body Mag. And I really, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Noel on a Monday. Yes, exactly. Well, this is one of the stories I was going yeah. to bring up. So uh, just to show uh, what what a great bloke you are. So I'm sure you remember this. So this was Noel. This was a couple of years, three years ago now. Uh, Noel's 100th game. And I sent the, sent the message out to a few people. And I said, hey, I want to do like a little, uh, a montage. little, yeah, a little montage for him. Saying, you know, get him, rev him up for the 100 game. And I sent it out to a few of them. And, you know, it got some good replies. He's going, oh, good job, Noel, you know, whatever. <laughs> Quick little short, sharp ones. I sent it out to Mick Barlow. He sent it back within 30 seconds, uh, and he's giving me this. So good. Oh, yeah. Pop him full forward. Put him in the cage. Was he the captain? He was captain, oh, yeah. No hugging girls during the game. I forgot about that bit. Oh, mate, it was uh, iconic. Iconic. And he loved it. How'd he play? Man, he he did really well. I think he kicked a goal in the 100th. You should have seen him ready to run out in the banner. Yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) But I thought there was was one other story that I thought you'd uh, appreciate as well of Noel. And I haven't actually told it on the pod before. And I thought Mm. this is is a perfect time to do it uh, that I've got you. So this is probably maybe four or five games after the 100. Mm. And we're getting thumped by this team, like absolutely smoked. Like it was like, it was just a shit game. Yeah. Rainy, everything. And they're like the top guys, they're huge. Um, and there's like a very big um, a range of, you know, disabilities and ability um, yeah. That, yeah. that the guys on the team, but they're pretty, there's some pretty good players on the other team. So we're getting thumped. This ball comes up, it's the last quarter, it's like two minutes ago. It must be down by like 100 points. This ball goes up. First time it's coming to the 50 the whole time, and it's coming in Noel's direction, right? This big, big high flying ball, big up, nice and high. And he's running, and I'm, and I'm allowed on the field, like mm. sort of like Ozkick, because you can yeah. coach out there. So I'm sitting there, and I'm about 20 metres from it. I'm like, no, go, go. He's right under this thing, right? He's tracking it beautifully, eyes on the footy. And coming in the other direction <laughs> at full tilt is the biggest fridge on the other team. He's, he's honestly he's three times Noel's weight. He's coming steaming down the whole way. Mm. Uh, and uh, Noel's got the eyes on the footy the whole time. And he absolutely cleans Noel up. A full 360 in the air. Noel mm. slaps down onto the deck. And he's like, oh. And he's, uh, he's popped his shoulder out. And I'm right. like, running over. And I'm over the top of him. And I'm like, mate, your guy's crying. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't take the market. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you know, I'm feeling terrible because I'm revving him up yeah. to get in there. Uh, anyway, and then uh, the umpire um, gives him a free kick. There's no, it's your free kick, but he's there. He's, his shoulder's, shoulders hanging out. out. It's all out. Uh, and um, uh, the umpire goes, yeah, it's your free kick. And we sort of sit him up a little bit. And he goes, where do I have to take the kick from? And the umpire says, oh, I'll give you 50 as well from the goal line. It was only and he's from goal. And he goes, Sweet, pops his own <laughs> shoulder back in, grabs the ball, grabs it off the umpire, the siren's gone, he kicks it through the fucking middle into the car park. Oh my God, it was like well, probably one of the best moments of football I've ever brought, seen in my brought life. Brought them within uh, 95 points. Exactly right. It was, it was like he won the game, the stretcher had come out, we waved the stretcher back off, it was awesome. Yeah. But, uh, all right, let's talk all about you. So let's go right back to the start. Uh, I want to know about uh, where you grew up, how you got into football and your family and all that mm. sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely, yeah, so... Grew up in Shepparton, yep. two hours uh, north here of Melbourne. Um, 
and yeah, I think growing up in kind of regional Victoria, sport is all you do. Like, and, and I think, um, and you would empathise or, or relate to this that growing up, I think, in our era, I think I'm a little bit older than you, but like it was, you know, no technology. I think Nintendo Nintendo was around. That's all you kind of yep. played a bit of a Nintendo fix, maybe. I think we're on a bit of a limit in Nintendo in the Barlow household yeah. and, and not, not a huge amount of TV <laughs> at nights. It was big backyard, go out there and, the footy. and just hurt each other. Yeah, um, nice, nice. You know, and play cricket and footy. And, and brothers and, and sisters. Who yeah, so I was one of five. Oh, one of five. Oh, um, gosh, no, chaos. Yeah, four boys and then a, a girl. So oh Maisie, the youngest. Um, Herb, Dom and Declan, the brothers, and I'm right smack bang in the middle. And Great. I uh, loved it. So growing up in Shepparton... So you got a little bit of a beat down, but also you were able to give some other uh, siblings a little bit of a Yeah, my so childhood brothers quite physical uh, yeah. operators, but they used to take their anger a lot of the time out on each other. Yeah. So nice. I was sitting one out, one back behind them. Perfect. And then man, my younger brother would, <laughs> would get through Bruce free. free. So lo- yeah, lovely upbringing. I went to boarding school in year 10 um, at Assumption College, which is kind of a, a pretty well-known football school. Um, yeah. Yeah, in, in Kilmore, which is kind of still country Victoria, so a lot of farmers and um, um, yeah, country other country and Victorians and New South Welshmen and uh, King Islanders from Tasmania would come and go to boarding school there. Yeah. And it, it's, it was bloody cool, like three years at boarding school, um, with now you know thirty in the boarding house, and to this day the thirty are still very connected and. And very close. I guess that's um, what you get from the country towns, though. Like you said, mm. it's like really, you know, real connection. And yeah. Everybody's there watching the footy, being involved with it. Yeah, bloody oath. So um, lifelong friends out of boarding school. And um, I, I suppose my footy journey was, was a unique one in terms of making it into the AFL because... Because it happened a bit later, right? It did, yeah. So uh, in my underage stuff, I never made never made the pathway programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never made the, uh, the TAC Cup, it was called in the day. Never played under 18s for, or under 15, 16, 17, 18s for Murray Bush Rangers was my region. Um, so school footy, local footy, um, took school you know very seriously, thinking and having a very good awareness that um, you know, that would be my way to earn, earn a living. Yep. Um, I didn't love the you know blue collar um, nature of physical labour and all of that in yeah. terms of a, a work career. So I took my school pretty seriously, started doing an urban planning degree at Melbourne Uni when I finished school. Yeah, right. Wow. So um, that was like when you were, what, 17, 18 you started? 18, that? yeah. So yeah. I finished school, went straight to Melbourne Uni and um, did an urban planning degree and, and all the while was playing local footy in Shepparton. Yep. Um, enjoying the uni lifestyle and all of that. So life was life was simple, life was good. Yep. And then two years into my uni degree, I started to have a pretty good year at local footy. Shep United um, had a couple of recruits come and watch me wow so and just at local football yeah that's how it all yeah and that, that's where it all all kind of took off and wow st kilda was the one club out of the three or four that came and watched that saw a bit more in me than the others because i think the others came and watched and yep. said he's too slow can't kick um all the important what, stuff what have I, yeah what <laughs> all what, what have i driven to shepparton for yeah. on a saturday <laughs> afternoon in the middle of july to watch this bloody dingbat run around for shepparton <laughs> and this one guy, I think, kept coming back from St Kilda, kept coming back, kept coming back. So I went and did a pre-season at St Kilda. And um, although that was that was anxiety-riddled, rocking oh, up there first day. Well, it's like a little bit of a difference yeah. from, from playing at Shepparton to <laughs> then going and actually playing. And I had no concept of like the, the professionalism or 
I did. Like I knew what you AFL must have been. Footy. You must have been doing stuff in that in that period though mm. to like really raise your game. If that's because it doesn't just kind of happen. Yeah, like, it would have been on the back of some tra- extra training or work. Little or bit, like, little bit. I think what I had a big moment in my first year out of school. Yeah, I was playing. So I played a couple of senior um, footy games when I was in year twelve. Yep. Um, so I won the assumption best and fairest. So I was pretty. I was okay. I was. I wasn't absolutely useless. Mm-hmm. I was a, a pretty handy footballer. Then played some senior footy games um, for Sheppard United when I was seventeen, and they're always a bit confronting. Um, you speak about Noel about yes. playing against the bigger, juiced up. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me <laughs> playing. I was and I was skinny and and underdeveloped when I was seventeen against like you know men. Yep. and real kind of it's, country it's men. up until like you said like that 16, 17, 18 mm. when everybody starts to level out. There's a big you yeah. know, difference in everybody's development, and that kind of makes the difference mm. between how you can impact a game and stuff with all you know at the end of your juniors yeah. for sure. So I grew and kind of matured physically when I was out of school. So kind of yep. 19, 20. Um, I remember my first year out of um, high school. Uni lifestyle was probably taking over a little bit. Yeah. And I, my footy was deteriorating at a pretty rapid rate. I had a coach, Steve Hazelman, his name was, and yep. he was the coach at Sheppard United at the time. And about halfway through the year, he pulled me in and kind of goes, mate, you're going like shit, really. And you, you probably, we're going to keep you in the seniors, but we need you to tidy up a little bit what you're probably doing midweek up there and, or down there in Melbourne. Yeah. You know, the social life and all that. Of course. He didn't want me to go cold turkey, but he's like, let, let's you need to reel it in. He goes, let's let, let's pick one night a week. <laughs> let's pick one night and let's train. What if what if the one night you don't sleep is it still yeah. the one night? Yeah. Let, 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 let's pick one night where you can go out and do your bloody two dollar pots or whatever. Yeah, and let's train. And, and that was kind of the eye opener. Yeah, and I think my mum played a big role in my um my development and, and kind of professionalism and not taking the mickey out of... And a bit of a respect, I think, for, for coaches and all that. And I remember having a discussion with mum and my coach, separate conversation, just saying, you know, you're better than what you're doing. And, and from there, I kind of turned into a really good country footballer. Yep. And then, as I said, the next year, I, I kind of um, had a really good year. I started to really light and up and get... AFL clubs. Momentum, yep. come, and my big thing was I could always find the ball. Yep. And I was, I'm relatively fit and, and able um, to be able to get to contests and find the ball. So footy IQ and... And at that level, I was kind of getting 45 or 50 possessions a lot. So clubs right. are coming to watch and say, oh, yeah. <laughs> so went to St Kilda and didn't get, did the eight weeks there. Was Ross the coach there? Ross was, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and now I know Ross really well. I know, in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing. The last day of my eight weeks there, Ross came up to me in the gym. He's like, oh, hey, mate. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, the draft's tomorrow. And I'm like... He goes, oh, you've, mate, you've given yourself every chance. You've given it. You, you, you rocked up. He goes, you were late your first day, all that. You know. I'm like, oh, shit. Um, but, you know, since then, oh, mate, we see something. If it goes your way, great. In hindsight, that conversation was absolutely a conversation that we're not going to pick you. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a chance. Yeah. The next day came, I remember like when the draft came, I was absolutely gutted. And eight weeks earlier, my, I've said this a lot, I went to St Kilda just not to embarrass myself. Yep. Just to get in, do, do what was required, eventually get told, mate, well done, you tried your hardest, get out. Yep. But after the eight weeks, I actually kind of looked around and thought, I'm actually capable of doing this. Yep. Um, so from there, not getting drafted, the, the progression was pretty significant to go to, to play VFL. Um, and I ended up at Werribee, where I now coach, um, with the aim to get drafted, yes, 
but pretty quickly when I got to Werribee, I, I made, again, that connection of friends and like-minded people and that elevated level of training and, yep. you know, I've got given weights programs and... So much about, like, the environment that you're in as to how that will raise your level again yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So having gone to St Kilda and had full-time access to physios and high-performance staff and my, my whole world was opened up and Werribee provided, you know, a, a, another level of that, not to the level of the AFL, but, you know... It was pretty good, yeah. Weights programs and... Um, you know, then your lifestyle really did pull back to make footy a priority. Yep. So, you know, diet and nutrition. And um, from there, I had, you know, two years. And I t- say this, I reckon initially I went to Werribee for a year saying, oh, I'm going to play a year, finish my uni degree, go to Shepparton and play. If I don't get drafted, play, live and play in Shepparton. Yep. Um, after a year, uh, didn't, get, didn't get picked up. Despite St Kilda saying, have a good year and we'll ring you. Yeah, they no call. They, they didn't call. <laughs> Lost the number, yeah. Um, but yeah, from there it was very much, oh, again, you, you, you meet these people that I'm, you know, very, I've got six to eight really close friends from my time at Werribee initially playing that now, you know, you know in, in my best group of mates. So you, you, you quickly fall in love with it and you're like, well, I'm going to keep playing here. Yep. Um, and then my second year there, uh, my coach, Simon Atkins at the time, um, and... I probably at the time didn't fully understand the levels he went to to try and get me drafted and give me the opportunities. He played me in all the different positions. He gave me a little bit more of a license than other players. And um, yeah, from there, got got drafted to the Mighty Dockers at the end of so good. Um, that year. And it was a, a bloody special moment getting picked up in the rookie draft. Because I remember I was on on my computer um, and the, it was just like a, just kind of like it refreshed every 30 seconds, the picks. Yep. And mum was there. And, you know, your parents are always there for your, your ups and downs. And probably yep. my career would, had largely been downs since kind of getting the opportunity to train at St Kilda. It was like I pinned just, all my hopes on this yep. and, and it kept falling short, kept falling short, kept falling short. Yep. So they see the disappointments. And then just for mum to be there when my name popped up. and Unreal. She didn't know what was going on. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Fremantle. And yeah, just the joy and emotion just all that yeah. work and all the yeah. behind the scenes stuff and all the roller coaster bits and pieces um, that goes on with that. That's awesome. So that was special, yeah. And then you brushed over it a little bit, but with St Kilda, you were late your first day. You tell me that. <laughs> well, it, 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 I can work it in a bit later with the story because it's um, St Kilda. I remember the guy's name was um, uh, John Peak. I think his yep. name was the, the recruiting manager. He gave me the sheet and yep. he goes, "Here's your schedule for the next eight weeks or six weeks." And I'm like, no worries. Uh, first day is at the Botanical Gardens at 8 o'clock. <laughs> All right. No worries. <laughs> See you there. So I'm like, oh, 8 o'clock, okay. Um, it's probably a little bit earlier than I was getting up back in that day. <laughs> and off we go to the Botanical Gardens. And I'm like driving mum's car, um, trying to figure out, just got to just move that a little yeah. bit. Um, got to the Botanical Gardens. I feel like I was a little bit late, like five past eight because I couldn't get a park. But I already see these guys in St Kilda. No, uniforms running really around and I'm like oh, they said 8 o'clock yeah. oh well maybe so they, the start time maybe, was 8 maybe, o'clock maybe it was staggered groups or something no nah. <laughs> 8 o'clock there was start you know yeah. 7 o'clock warm up so I rock up and I'm in like I have no gear no St Kilda gear so I just rock up to someone with St Kilda stuff and I go right I'm Michael Barlow and they're like okay who gives a, <laughs> who gives a fuck I don't, I don't care who you are he goes Yep, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, I'm meant to be training, and they're like, still think you're taking the piss, um, that you're not who like, no one's told me about this. They go, all oh, right, just run a lap, 
and we'll figure it out at the end. So I'm running off, like no timer on me. And I'm like, this is so, so embarrassing. And I'm like, oh. so I finished the lap and then I walk up to some other guy. So I reckon by the time I started the lap, finished the lap, this guy that sent me on the lap was like, hopefully this guy comes back or yep. doesn't come back and you know, Whatever. never they would, only, they would have to worry about yeah. it. <laughs> so I got the back at the end of the lap and someone found out, oh, that's, yeah, we know what's going on. Took me over to Ross and Ross is like, okay, so, you know, all this stuff. And already you can tell, like, gee whiz, this bloke is pretty harsh. Yeah, I think he's aware that I'm late. I don't think my excuse or my rationale with him is, he's gonna, is, he's gonna fly. is due. Yeah. So I just said, yeah, well, whatever. The next day I was about four hours early for the session <laughs> <laughs> and from there trained. But two years later, Ross obviously becomes the Freo coach yes. in a few years. And I rock up. The day, his first day I walk in, you know, you... you um, Meet the day. coach first day. Meet the coach. <laughs> Obviously, I'd played against him. He actually, you know, the, the nerve of him. Didn't yes. want to pick me, but in my fourth ever game of AFL, yeah. he planted Clint Jones on me as oh, a tagger. Mate. <laughs> oh, hang on, you don't think I'm good enough for your team. But now you're tagging but me. But now you're tagging Anyway. <laughs> so I rock up. Ross becomes the coach two years later. Walk into his office. <clears throat> shake his hand. Michael Bolo. Yeah, Ross Lyons. He goes, oh, mate. He goes, the world hates swings and roundabouts. Oh, you know, not verbatim what, what's going on here, but he goes, swings and roundabouts. Like, you know, we, we, had, we had a look at you and um, we took this guy called Glenn Shivers. Who? And, and, yeah, and Ross was like, you know, he lasted six months, so maybe hindsight, we probably should have taken you. And then, then he goes, he goes, but, you know, I'll always remember, mate, you just effort, you just gave effort. You, you were late your first day. But you gave effort. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, mate, how do you remember that I was late my first day? Sti-? Like, his attention to detail, Ross, with that He's stuff is sharp. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very sharp. So late to that first day. And then I, I think it was a great kind of, um, or great lesson for me in terms of what was required. But that actually, I got home that night and thought, all right, this is rigid. So anything that's on this sheet, you, you need to be there an hour for your own prep. And yep. All of that and that kind of, I, I and that was think like one of the little turning points yeah, for you to really has, switch has helped, on. Yeah, yeah, it's helped um, help with everything. You know, I, I, like little minuscule gains you make across your career and everything, yeah. um, and habits you build. Absolutely, the habits you build for, you know, you don't just do it for a day and then it becomes habit. It's you know, twenty one, twenty eight days, months, 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 and then eventually. Um, it's the way you live. Absolutely. So then rocking up to Fremantle, mm. there was all, uh, the, the side was pretty young at the time when you're rolling in, but yeah. there was still guns around. There was still, mm. you know, Pav, you know, big icon. You played with unbelievable yeah. um, icons down Fremantle, Ballantyne, Ryan Crowley, mm. all these guys. Um, what was it like early days rolling in? Uh, do you have any good stories? Well, first on? day, speaking of first day at St Kilda, first day at Frio, I rock up. And... Um, when you're a new draftee, they, they look after you for your first couple of days, yep. which I didn't love because I was like, oh, I want to go and just, you want to bang in. Yep. Um, but I got a chance, and I'll tell that story in a sec, to bang in pretty quickly in, into like the next week. Yeah. But my first session, you warm up and then you do the pairs kick. So you, you grab a partner and you kick over 10 metres and you kick over 20 metres, you kick over 30 metres. And we're down. Who've been paired with? Well, Pav. Oh, <laughs> Pav came and found me. And I'm like, well, this is nice. The captain, he's like, Matthew. I'm like, Fuck, I know who you are. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Michael. And it's actually in his book. And I don't get many mentions. I think this is my only mention in his book. 
and he talks about that year or or that that new team I think that came through probably that year or the year before that team began. Yep. You know the team that then kind of went to a twenty thirteen grand final and had the very had the run of successful. Four, yeah. yeah, without without the ultimate successful, we, we'd view it as a successful era. And he goes, um, he mentioned in his book, you know, we picked up Hilly and the year before and Ballantyne and um, all these guns. Fife was th- that year. Morapito comes in. Um, and the rookie draft, he's like, we were successful in the rookie draft. We got, you know, Silvani and Barlow. And he goes, and, but these guys, he goes, one day Michael Barlow rocked up and took him for a pairs kick. 10 metres, 20 metres, 30 metres. And we were training, because we couldn't train at Freo Oval. We were training somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It was like out, out near South Fremantle or somewhere. Yeah. And it was windy. And I'm like, nervous. Oh, of course. <laughs> Kicking with Pav. <laughs> and I'm like, literally, I'm not a great kick anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like... Kicking him, <coughs> missing him here, there, and everywhere. I'm like, oh, shit. In his book, he goes, you know, he picked up this rookie kid from Shepparton or Country Victoria called Michael Barlow, and on his first day, he couldn't hit me from 10 metres away, and I thought, well, they've really mucked this one <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's ma- making the captain go and run and get fetch these balls like an Auskick kid. Um, and and that, what's he like when you do it? He's like, yeah, all right, come on, mate. Was he being encouraged or just no words? It was oh, just- I think he was getting pretty pissed off. He was, yeah. yeah I never, never did a pairs kick with him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that was a good story. Day, day one. And I'll tell you the, the next week, again, quite funny, because, again, you're trying to make impressions and – and I was, I'm a good runner, like yep. I'm a good time trialer. So I was looking forward to the time trial. I wasn't looking forward to it for the feeling you get, but I'm a good runner. And the 3K time trial came up and my, my, always my tactic for, for forever and a day was I'm just going to go out hard and try and hold on. Yep. And my, my first ever test at Freo, was again, the Freo Oval, so you're doing six laps. And I've gone out and I'm out by 200 metres about you know, 400 metres in. And Kepler Bradley tells the story... <laughs> He was up on. A, he was injured, and he's doing a session on a bike, just overlooking the the time trial. And he's there with Dean Solomon, and he's like riding the bike, and he's watching me do this. And he tells the story. He goes, "We're watching you do this time trial, and you, you he goes, this this dickhead thinks it's only about one kilometre. <laughs> this dick, we have a look at this dickhead. Watch this dickhead. He's yelling at anyone that's. He goes, anyone that's listening. He goes, have a look at this dickhead. Just gunning it. And know? then I've I've kept holding. I end up winning it, but I held on. No, that was my thing. I'd go out hard and. And maintain clearly it fatigue, but yeah. I think Crowell's kind of nearly got me at the end. Um, but yeah, kept kept tells the story that <laughs> this bloody dickhead's running. He thinks he doesn't know how far three games yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and then um, in terms of like early day stuff, was there anything that you were working on early days to really crack in? So like you you're a gun runner. Yeah. Um, was it sort of like skill wise that you were really trying to craft up? Yeah, certainly. I think the skill skill my deficiency again. I reckon AFL. I, I do get. Um, a little bit frustrated, especially like I coach the state league now, and I, I think I've got a number of players that have that capacity to go to the AFL. Yep. But there's always one thing. You know, they might do seven or eight things really well, but there's always one thing that just is a little that bit deficient. Yep. And, and you know, mine was probably ball use and speed. Um, but yeah, I think eventually, I, I always, I always say my first ten games I played at AFL level, I felt were the easiest games I played because you're surrounded by better players. Yep. You've actually been exposed to that high performance program at a, at a full time level. Yep. So you can put all this time and effort into rather than working all day or being at uni all day and um, scraping by for for income to, and playing, doing semi professional footy on top of that. Yeah. You know you're a full time athlete. Yep. You know, you're paid well to do it. So full focus. Yeah. Um. So I'll never forget that transition. For me, it was just like, well, this is great because 
you know, all the things I'm deficient at, you, you get more time to work on and, yep. and, and you've got all the resources to utilise it. So mine was um, certainly kind of the, the skill-based decision-making stuff with my, my ball use. And then were you doing like, Ed, what sort of extra reps and that sort of stuff were you doing? Were you doing anything extra? Not, from not really. Actual... I think it just became, because I'd transitioned from a semi, more time semi-professional to the yep. full-time environment with increased resources. Yep. Like my weights program, like you, you just have that time. You, you're not rushed with anything you yep. do at the... At the the, the only thing you have to focus on is training and making sure you're yeah, doing good. And, yeah. But I was always, even at VFL days, um, always folk, I'd always do an extra swim per week. Yep. So and it, it would take half an hour, you know, to be a, a, either a kilometre to 1,500. Yep. And I built that into my routine that even, you know, for my whole AFL career, I would always do, that extra. on the Tuesday or Wednesday, I would always do the extra 1,500. Yep. And, and I just felt probably my body shape, like I was never fat, but I was um, probably one that, just needed that, that little, little bit, bit extra, extra on on top to mentally know I'd just done that little bit extra, but also um, probably helped with skin folds and, and that was and the body whole time all throughout your career. Correct, That's what yeah. you did. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Um, and then tell me about the debut. So 2010, <laughs> an electric debut. I was at the game. I remember you had the shaved head. <laughs> oh, going, Who funny is story this? about the shaved head. Actually, yeah. Tell me, tell me. Um, well, I'd I need a haircut. I went down to buddy um, Garden City. You need you got you need to be uh, fresh. Yeah, debut, round, round one I was. I had like, um, went down to Garden City. I couldn't get in for a haircut. <laughs> I'm like, well, what is it, Thursday? And it was Thursday night. I was like, oh, I'll just do it myself. No, and bad, I've, yeah, bad, bad, bad idea. choice. So I've, I've just started to do it. And, and then I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I've completely banned this. And I was living with a couple of the players at the time. Have you ever cut your hair before never. that? Never. No, right. never. Yep. Oh, yep. when I was at boarding school, we used to cut each other's hair. Yep. So not really. No. <laughs> so I started to cut my own hair and it didn't go down well but um and then just thought yeah. well I had to shave it no I didn't even shave it that well in the end it was like a, a little weird, bit patchy yeah. very patchy yeah. kind of pretty embarrassing um, <laughs> and I remember playing my first game because I was thinking oh, I've just always had like this you know hair that was just kind of messy and bit whatever probably yeah, yeah like grown out and I'm like oh my mates probably gonna like watch me first time ever uh on an AFL game they're gonna be like what the what the fuck? He's, he's going through a mental breakdown. Yeah. Just on the hair stuff as well. I did get told this one. I was going to bring it up later, but since we're on the hair topic, do you, apparently there's a rumor going around that you love putting lemon juice through your hair. You want to tell me? This brand of material? Oh, I can't. I can't reveal my sources. Yeah. But on the Gold probably Coast, probably brand 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 material. Um, they call me <laughs> Trent McKenzie used to call me Lemon and Jared Grant on the Gold Coast. <laughs> I genuinely think uh, my, this is mine because I used to. <laughs> He's been rattled. Late, <laughs> late, my late my career. I was trying to get the timings right. All right. I remember once at Frio, my last couple of years there. Um, well, one used to uh, bleach my converses. You yeah. know, your con white cons used to get so you freshen them up, bleach them, soak them, yeah. dry them. Keep Good to go. Yeah, it looks like a new pair of cons every six months or six weeks. <laughs> And I remember, like, I got to the point where you know, you're soaking them in bleach and your hands are in bleach. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I used to have, like, just wave through my hair, like, not thinking. I I, this is uh, this is true. So you just, so you'd be I'm washing I'm bleaching the, the thing, and then I'm like, oh, probably yeah, wash my head, and then just scratch my head. looking good in the mirror, like that. Well, not, not really, just scratch my head or put my hair to the side. And then over time, I was like, that little blonde parts come through my hair, which I would imagine was, was the a product bleach. of the bleach. <laughs> um, so then I copped a bit of grief when I went to the Gold Coast. <laughs> Because I think similar stuff was happening, and they, and 
Oh, then I started getting called lemon juice head by these boys. They're like, oh, you put lemon... And I'm like, well, I don't, but now I will. So I'll start putting lemon juice in my hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, embrace the sun <laughs> in Queensland and little patches of, of kind of... I thought it was pretty good. That would uh, sprout up, just giving you that surfy look. Yeah, yeah. Very, so I could, very couldn't nice. surf to save myself, but... Um, <laughs> but you looked like you could. Lemon juice, yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, back to the debut. Um, so, how, <laughs> so how did that come about? And then tell me about the game as well. I think yeah. the only one that I could like think, and we, you actually messaged back to uh, the story mm. of mine when I put it up, when Nick Martin, the guy that I trained, yeah. uh, he had a great debut, and I said, oh, not as good as yours, and he went, yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> but Nick Martin, he did have a good game, didn't he? What did he have? He had, uh, he had five, five, five goals. Twenty eight or something like that. That's yeah. that's solid. But they lost. Yeah, they I'm a team lose. man. We won. <laughs> um, but that is good and good luck. Like Nick Martin is a great example of why that transition from state league. I'd be interested yes. in the story. State league to AFL. When you have that time and that that ability to to utilize resources, you yeah. yeah fun, funnily enough, you become yep. better player. Yep. Um, so the debut was pretty special. Um, yeah, I debuted with Alex Suwani, Anthony Morabito as well. So yeah. that, that was, was it round one as well? Round one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2010, um, yeah. 2010, and we won. And I, to this day, I feel like that was one of the easier games of football I played for all the reasons I've alluded to. You, you come into this environment where you're surrounded by better players. <clears throat> you automatically improve your own game because you're a full-time athlete. Um, and I think that kind of uh, energy and... Um, that feeling of what you're about to do, excitement, um, just propels Smart, you to, yeah. to to think that how good how good is this? And yeah. you you're coaching at that point in your career, early in your career, you're not overcoached. You are very much pretty raw, just learning as you go. Yeah, that they understand. All right, let's kind of not pollute these guys' heads that are playing their first games and just get them out there and play. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, over time, you know, more strategy and more expectation and responsibility comes with the role you play, but. Yeah, the first game was um, very unpolluted and, um, yeah, a, a great memory, a, a really good memory. Family came over from Victoria and... Big uh, hype, just buzzing, yeah. yeah. And we won and, um, you know, I, I reckon the biggest crowd I'd played in, in fr- before that was probably a couple of thousand. And to play in front of probably 35,000 at Subiaco Subi, was just pretty humming cool. as well, yeah. And uh, to, as you were getting into that sort of 2012, 2013 yeah. era, oh, that was humming down Subiaco over there. so good. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, the, Early on as well, you had some unbelievable games. Mm. So then it was only a few rounds later that you win the Ross Glendenning Allen Medal mm. um, for best on ground for the Derby. And again, was there for that. It was an amazing game. Tell mm. us through all that. You won three in the end as I well. I did win three, and they were all pretty early in the, my career. Um, I'm adamant I shouldn't have won any. Like, <laughs> like, I had okay games, but I remember the first game, I can't remember, it's a long time ago, but I don't think I was the best player on the ground. In 2013, I won two. Poor old Chris Main, I think, had never had 30 possessions in his life. And he, I think he kicked three goals <laughs> and didn't get the best on ground medal. Uh, Dave, goals mean nothing. Dave Mundy, the other time, I think I shared it with him. I was was far better than me, but it's one of the yeah few times. Uh, not not a few times, but it's yeah you get you need you get a bit of luck, and that was probably my luck to get a few Ross Glendening Allen medals. Um, but yeah, the first little period um, was was you, really cool. You po- you pulled a bunch of Brownlow vo- mm. votes as well, hey? I did. I think I. Um, there was a bit of spruik around how I was, I think I was second favourite at one stage. I think I was coming second or third maybe when I broke my leg halfway yep. through the year. And Chris Judd was out by a, a mile, so I don't think we were, we, we were wheeling him in yep. or reeling him in. Um, <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe maybe it would have. <laughs> nah, maybe. But, 
the yeah that, that first period was was magic um yeah really really cool and the, the derby first derby is an experience playing in derbies huge yeah and that was an away derby yep and you run out and the eagles chance up and yeah, actually, the first time you actually Hostile felt as yeah you actually felt uh endangered <laughs> like, you're like yeah, I, I don't feel half i, I feel half uh, threatened out in this footy yeah, field yeah, yeah. yeah which is pretty cool i think people don't understand that with the derbies of how intense they are until you actually come over yeah. one yeah yeah um and um then you played so well to start on off with your career couldn't have really gone much better mm. and then the football gods have just gone you know what mm. let's reel it in Barlow let's send Reese Palmer in skidding <laughs> skidding for a ball let's take out the shin mm. this is going this is going too well we're going to reel you in a little bit tell us about that game and that injury and then we'll sort of go into like all the rehab stuff that you yeah. have to get back yeah I was there as well for that game sorry you so the game out. was the game was done like we were out, out by, by a long way and um, I remember the feeling I'd, I hadn't really smelt the roses for the whole, you know, five, six months that I'd been at, at Frio, I just enjoyed the moment and, and enjoyed what the flow of uh, events were. You're just going great. Just yeah, yeah, life is yeah. good. Life is great. Like, uh, to, to be on, and life is a le- life levels itself out in different ways. But I remember I went back um, in that game. I started to think, oh, how good is this? Like, this is magic. We're going to be in the top four at the end of this day and I'm playing well. And I mean, my family was over from Victoria that, that weekend. Um, and you're just like, oh, this, it's a special time in your life. And then bang, quickly levels out. Yep. Went back and um, got the legs taken out. Broken, knew pretty quickly what had happened. Yep. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a shame. But, but you got up to start got off up. When, when you got hit. Because where, where, where I was sitting at Subi Oval is, mm. du- I'm talking direct, it's burned into my head seeing us 50 metres away, mm. right in like the uh, cheer squad bit. Yeah. Uh, and you stood up and your leg on the angle that I was on just, yeah. completely just went C-bend like this. Yeah, so that's what I saw as well. I was like, oh, I think it's okay. And I, I remember just wobbling it a bit like that. I was like, oh, I got up. And as I put any sort of weight on it, it just went, oh, separated. Quickly sat back down. Yep, yep. And then yep. said, all right, let's get this, let's let's get get this, this over. Yeah. Um, and, and from there it was, like, people often ask me, you know, how you must just have been gutted because you'd worked so hard to get your opportunity and that happens. But um, I, I had great gratitude for the fact that I'd, I think I'd signed a couple of year contract, and yep. if that had happened to me twelve months earlier, it would have been yeah. I think it would have been stressing because, a lot because more, the yeah. recovery. Um, I don't think I would have passed medicals and yeah. And um, also, if you haven't got that sort of game experience that you've come and done that, yeah. you ain't getting passed. Yeah, like you said that the first lot of medicals and just ticks are ticking boxes for it. So I'm a full time athlete, um, getting paid to recover and put put time into my rehab. I had some some darkish moments throughout the rehab, but um, the gratitude. Was was fairly overwhelming for for the situation I was in. Yeah, and then the rehab process. What were you doing? Who were you working with? How long did it take? Because mm. for some people, that can be like an injury that you know you don't actually come back from. You mentioned that you went through some really sort of dark um, mm. periods and patches with it. What were you doing physically in terms of the rehab, and then also what were you doing mentally uh, to get yourself through that? Great. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something I um I should document and kind of because the older you get and the further away from it you get you, you forget little patches of, course, of it yeah. but I probably I remember three or four significant moments of it when I first did it <coughs> I had a, I was very lucky to have a couple of guys I think uh, Michael Voss Nathan Brown Gary Lyon mm-hmm. um, were three guys that had broken their legs in their careers and they all reached out and said do they really? yeah so Voss and Gary Lyon had no issues with um, their leg yep. when they broke it recovered I think it was like three to six months they were back playing and no yep. worries. Um, so I'd, How did they reach out? They call you? Yeah. Or? Wow. 
there was no Instagram. It, was, it wasn't the dark ages, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just rang and, or messaged on, on your old cell phone. Oh, wow. And away you Amazing. go. <laughs> it's, yeah. And Nathan Brown was the outlier of that discussion. He, he rang and, and kind of talked through. He, never, he was really adamant with me, take your time. Um, ideally, you kind of have no issues when you come back, but he goes, I had some – he rushed it. He came back after, I think, nine months and was, was crooked and, and not in a good space physically for, for the next 12 months. So you get those three bits of advice. So yeah. I'm automatically thinking, Brownie, thanks for ringing, but I'm going to take the other two's uh, sample size. Of course. Because yeah. that, they were that perfect. That sounds way more positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but mine, unfortunately, was probably more like um, the Nathan Brown situation. I, I, I took a while, probably took me two years, mm-hmm. in, two years to be pain-free in my leg. Yeah. Um, and that's when you started sort of stringing more games. Then. Yeah, was that like 20, end of twenty twelve. Yeah, middle. I'll never forget the day. Middle of twenty twelve, we played Richmond. Yep. Um, I think uh, I'm nearly certain it was, it was a really significant day for the club because we beat Richmond at the MCG, and it was the first game in that era. We, we wanted to be this anywhere, anytime team. Yep. And I think you followed Fremantle long enough to know it's all good in theory. But whenever Frio used to play away, it was like, oh, no good. Yep. This is going to be <laughs> but we, Ross was great at encompassing this. Wherever we go, where whoever we play, it doesn't matter. We we stick to our trademark values and, and we commit to our style and we win, or we or we play that way and give ourselves a chance. Yep. And that day, Sandlands went down, and John Griffin played ruck the whole game and, and killed it. There was no Nat Fife. Matt Matt DeBoer played as a midfielder and killed it. Um, Pav kicked six. And it was really wet, a miserable day against Richmond, and it had all the the, the tailings of hardcore back yeah. to the wall. Yeah, uh, and it, uh, the the narrative had always been Freo will just crumble here, yep. and we just kept coming and coming. Zach Dawson did his knee and was to miss six to eight weeks afterwards, but played through the game. Um, I remember that day significantly for that period that that set up our next. That was a day where I think that that belief and, and the the confidence in in what we were building. That was established. That breakthrough <laughs> moment, yeah. And but also, I remember playing that game and, and feeling really comfortable in my body. And I was like, "This is amazing." And I, I remember going to bed that night thinking, "Oh, that's great." But I'll wake up tomorrow and usually See how it feels. Twenty four, forty eight hours after the game, I could hardly walk. But this one, I was like, "Oh, I can actually walk around and I feel quite normal." And what, I don't know what it was, but it was about twenty four months after I'd broken the leg that eventually. I think everything had caught up to itself and, you know, the muscle and, and all of that. I, yep. I actually felt really confident and comfortable in, in what my leg was. That's great. And then the actual reps that you were doing leading up to mm. that, so were you physio in every day? Were you there a couple of times a week? Was there exercises you were doing, all that sort of yeah. extra gym work? Were you doing upper body sessions to sort of, you know, counter in all the stuff I that used you weren't to, able to do? <laughs> I think pretty quickly you get back in and you start doing swimming and yep. upper body stuff. Um, Chris Tarrant was injured at a similar time to me, if you remember Chris Tarrant. Yes, yeah. Absolute Adonis of a man. Yeah, he's huge. Like, he just pipes ever. Exactly. Massive, yeah. So here, you want to feel inadequate? Yeah. Just Stand go, next to him. Go, go, go in, with him. Be the only, be the only two players on the Fremantle list that are incapable of, uh, uh, incapable of running. Yeah. Uh, and you, all you're doing is weights and grinder sessions and swimming. Don't stand next to him in the mirror. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm looking. We're doing the same things here. You're way big. You're way better than me. Good, great man, Chris Tarrant. And, um. I actually really enjoyed the, the periods I had with him. Um, it's like six weeks, just me and him. Um, try, you do need kind of someone to, to, to bounce to off. With, yeah, and he's still, I'm still probably a bit of a fanboy at this stage. His first year, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Chris Tarrant, yeah. he's at the start of, start, uh, stage of his career where he's well-established. He ends up going to Collingwood the next year and winning a premiership. Yep. 
Um, <clears throat> but yeah, did so upper body stuff. As soon as but the milestones were always right. When you get rid of crutches, we can start walking uh, and water bearing and all that. And again, I've got in my head. As soon as I start walking, yeah, everything will build up really nicely. Then I'll start running. Then I'll start playing. Yep. It just never felt right, right? Like I, I remember when I took the crutches off and started walking. Like I still had this really significant pain in my shins, not where I broke it, but in, in different parts yeah. of my shins. And um, I was probably I, I probably didn't um, document with the physios and the rehab guys to to the level the pain was. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like the progressions came and all right, we can start running now. And I remember when I started running, it was. I was, I was limping and like I had a rock in my shoe the way I was moving and my leg was still really skinny and I was like oh it's still excruciating pain but I won't report it um, so there was just moments along that way like I was doing a lot of strengthening exercises but I think the big big bit of advice I would impart to whoever and I've done a little bit since with guys that have gone through it is you, you can't neglect your glutes and your, your quads and your hammies like you've just got to build that part of your body up yeah and as soon as they are as as strong and capable as the other side of your body, that's when I would um, recommend you know you're getting back to the full weight bearing of running. Yep. Um, so a lot of a lot of that I, I did and I did a lot of it. I didn't. I was I was a, a pro. Like I didn't neglect my rehab, but I don't I don't think I fully listened to my body yep. that it wasn't playing catch up quick enough. It's always good like looking back on it. Oh, I should have done this with that. Yeah. But like when you're in the moment, because you're trying to the big part of injuries and rehab is like the mentality mm. side of things as well. So. Was there anything that you were doing, um, you know, uh, uh, sports psychologist-wise or anything like that to sort of get you through? And was there any, like, real real difficult times? Yeah. I remember once I came off and I, I did a running session and the, the Michael Dobbin, the sports science, um, to I see at the time, was kind of in charge of the rehab. And I was running and I was doing it and I was in agony. And my gait must have been horrible. But I kept doing it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep going because, you know, I kept going – I'll just tick another box and I'll be close to playing. And he pulled me off and he said, um, he pulled me off the track and said, sounded a bit weird, didn't it? He pulled me off the, he pulled me off the track. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, um, he goes, oh, mate, he goes, go and hit the pool and do, a, do an off-leg session because you look like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just gutted. I was like, oh, well, that means, you know. I'm further oh, back than what I'm. Further back. And I've been, ex- I've, like, they know I'm sore and. I remember I was just gutted and Dobbo was great. I remember Dobbo kind of coming in and talking, talking me through it. So, man, that's all right. And he was just a bit of a, I think, an earpiece for me for my frustration. Like, yep. oh, this is just bullshit. And, and he actually said, I think, he goes, oh, um, do a little bit of recovery, shower up and go home yep. and, and just disconnect. And they were really hard times. They, they were probably some harder times for me because, uh, again, had a great connection and network in, of friends in WA, but didn't have like that family connection. Um, so you, when you go through those periods of time, you need people close to you to help. Yeah, too, and your mum and dad were so far away. You'd call them and say, "Oh, no good. I'm oh, like my my season's probably done," and and you can't kind of just go and and decompress and get circuit breakers with family. Like like I, I have lifelong friends and great connections in WA, but a lot of those were your mates that were playing of footy course, at the time. Yeah, it's, so, it's totally different with actually having your family. Yeah, and, and I remember that. Those friends are in. I remember those periods. So I did connect with Sports Psych um, fairly strongly in that next patch. Um, Kim Mercer at the time and I remember she did some stuff with me where you just lie down and, and she just um, 
do the mental imagery stuff and talk to you. And some people will fluff this off as you know voodoo stuff and whatever. Um, oh, it's been such a common thing that every, yeah. pretty much all the sports uh, athletes that I've had on have just been talking about how much the uh, mm. imagery and and um, visualization works. So uh, I remember sitting down with her and and she goes, "All right, we're going to do some yeah, imagery, and you're going to lie down and and we're going to actually like there's going to be an element elements of hypnosis to it." And I'm like, oh, this, I don't really care. Like, let's just do it because I need need something. And so she started to talk to me about, oh, you just picture yourself running out, warming up, and you're pain-free, and you work down the body. And um, <clears throat> again, you, you do have, and she would understand this, and a lot of sports psychologists understand, the athlete in you at times is saying, this is fucking rubbish. This is shit, yeah, yeah. But the, I just committed to it and did it with her. And, and um, over time, that I think that, that played a role in my return to play because I did play under sufferance and pain for probably the back half of 11 and the first half of 2012 yep. and as I said that that um, moment in time middle of 2012 um, I pretty much became a normal athlete again where I could play recover had all that confidence re- yeah recover yeah. in the same timeline as the other players do the full training sessions funnily enough my performance improved from, from probably that period um till you know, the end of end of my career for Hey legends, quick little break in the podcast here because I've got a sick giveaway that I'm doing with Kamikaze Energy and I'm super excited for a Fat Chat listener to be taking home this amazing prize. So up for grabs is $500 worth of product from Kamikaze Energy, uh, which is all the drinks that you got in front of me here. They do some other great products as well. And the best thing, I said it last week, is the names of the flavors. So I've got the, uh, what's this one here? The orange flavor, Hawaiian Splice. That sounds unbelievable. Well, let's crack this one open. Give it a go. Mm-mm. Oh, that's good. Very, very Fanta like that one. That's awesome. So I've been using energy drinks and a little bit of caffeine to help me through some of my Ironman training that I've been doing as of recently for going on the big rides, the big runs, keep me focused, keep me sharp, uh, and I'll be banging down a few more of these kamikaze energy drinks. So to win or to be in the chance to win the $500 worth of product, all you have to do is go check out the social media post that I put out last Friday, get tagging your mates in the comments below, and also follow Body Magic and Kamikaze Energy for your chance to win. We'll be announcing the winner on a podcast on the 8th of November. Get tagging your mates, get following Kamikaze Energy and Body Magic and good luck. So 2013 with Freo, this is like starting to build, or 2012 even starting to build up really nicely. Tell us about that patch there and what mm. that was like playing playing for the club at that time. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's like clearly the fondest memory for me playing AFL football was 2012, 2015. Yep. Um, where we had a patch of, of finals. We just, you kind of got used to winning. And it was all off the back of, I think, the belief in each other, the belief in kind of our trademark as a playing group. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the belief in the style. And I think that we were a hard-edged side. Yep. So I, we were a side that we couldn't rock up and play the 18th team on the ladder and just say, we'll, we'll win today. Yep. It was all based off, and it was. I, I've taken a lot of this into my coaching, that um, – yeah, you know, we were. I was a player, and we were a team that had to go to dark places physically during oh, games. Yeah, um, because well, like when you to give yourself like a chance the, to win. the other guns at that time, like Geelong, Hawthorne, mm. their teams are stacked with like, as in you know, you guys had superstars, yeah. but they've they've got like Hall of Famers like yeah. on, you know, every part of the ground. So. The Hawthorne, you always look back on the era you're in, and the Hawthorne side, yeah, you know, the Hall of Famers that will come out of that that. Um, that situation, Sam Mitchell, uh, Buddy Franklin, Hodge, Jordan Roughhead, Hodge, um, Cyril Rioli, uh, pretty good players, Birchall, yep. um, 
yeah, very Josh Gibson, Brian Lake, all high end talent. Um, not to say they they didn't bring great effort and, and they didn't have great system. So we we were kind of in that mixer of um, couldn't get past that one side for that period, twenty twelve to twenty fifteen, and that was was pretty much Hawthorne. Hawthorne beat us twenty thirteen. Um, 2014, we fell over a bit with injury, I think, in finals. Like, we got to the finals, and um, by that second final against Port Adelaide, I think there was no McFarlane, no Johnson. Yeah. Um, five feet. Injuries through the team, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I bro- I'd had a broken foot and probably wouldn't have played in the prelim or the granny if we made it in 2014. So <laughs> timing timing is pretty important. But in terms of what that, that side, we never won a premiership, but I guarantee you that connection of that group and, and the... The special existence, or the, the the lifelong lessons that I've taken to kind of from that period into my life and, and my professions that I'm doing now is um, is very profound yep. because yeah, that the high performing teams um, have high performing individuals, and to see Pavlich and McFarlane and Sanderlands and Fife and Ballantyne, their their greatest qualities were off work ethic, um, you know, personability. Um, trust and yeah, it was a pretty special team to be a part of. Absolutely, and then Ross Lyons, the coach. Have you got? You must have some good Ross stories mm. from uh, from back in the day. You do the. They've all been told that well. <laughs> They've all been told. Oh, tell us. well. Maybe some of my listeners haven't heard. So yeah, what's, like what's your golden one that you got? Ah, oh, there's some golden ones. He feel like I was a bit one of his um. Because I think from what <laughs> I've been told, you're either in his good books or the bad mm. books, right? But even when you're in his good books. You're in his bad yeah. <laughs> We actually had a book. I lived with Lee Spur in 2013. Yep. Um, great carbs on Lee Spur. Lee Spur, great carbs. Used to, uh, it's remarkable, right? And you'd probably know a bit about this, the industry you're in. People with great carbs always tend to pop their carbs. It's just, you can't injure your calf when you don't have any. Hence why I've yeah, never had a carb issue never, in my life. Lee Spur always used to pop his calves. Like, he'd go for a jog and... Oh, and twinge it. No, t- it's, my calf. honestly, it's a thing. The bit was a bigger muscle, so you yeah. got more stuff to tear up. Yeah, so... Remarkable. Waste of time. So I did his calves. Where were we? But we had a book at home, and it was called uh, Mix Mix Sprays. So it was just like and every round, I, we would document the spray that I got off Ross. Oh, that's so good. So 2013, the first six weeks, I can nearly tell you every game that the reason I got a spray. Yeah. Um, so round one, 2013. You got to publish? Have you published that? No, nah, I've lost the book. But oh. 2013 round one, I actually won the Ross Glendening medal. Yes. Right. So but, gun um, game. Gun yeah. game, played well. Everybody else but I went, was good. But I went third man up a couple of times and knocked it out in the space. What are you fucking doing with me? You know, like, <laughs> we're not a side. We're not a side that wants to spill the ball into the outside. Not like, good enough, man. Yeah, he's like, oh, you put it at the outside. Here's, here's Jamie Cripps mopping up the ball and getting all, all your big third <laughs> man ups. You're happy. You're getting a big swat of the ball. So it was round one. Round two, we played the Bulldogs and I got an advantage. Well, I thought it was an advantage, but it was a free kick against Frio. So yeah. I waltzed to the goal line and kicked it out of the stadium at Marvel. And I'm like, there's a goal. And I turn around and they're marching us 50 metres oh. back to – and I'm like, Ross after the game actually, we won. Again, he wasn't dictated to by win-loss, credit to him. He was walking through the change rooms. He caught a glance of me and he's like – yeah, you think you're pretty funny, don't you? You're taking the 50, you're giving away a 50 and, you know, yeah, not good enough. But, but I was fully naked as he, as he, as he briefed me. Oh, no. Because so, I'd showered up. That, that extra level of, uh, of condescending. And, yeah, and, he's, and I remember, like, everyone was in the change room and he's eyeballed me. And he's like, 
Yeah, you take the 50. That's just selfish. You know? <laughs> I tidy, tidy that up and he's walked out. Everyone else is like getting changed around me and they've looked over and... Oh, okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> round three, uh, gave away a free kick and then gave away a 50 because I went back at the umpire and we lost that game. And he, then he, that one, he referred to me um, he, after the game. He goes, you feel good about yourself, Mick? And I'm like, oh, not really. And he goes, no, you feel good about yourself. You, you've got it off your chest to the umpire. <laughs> you and your big mouth costing us 100 metres or whatever. <laughs> And then they kind of kept just adding up this 20th... Uh, we got to round six, and every game I'd, I'd copped... Um, had something to write down. Yeah, I think by round six, it was actually... It might have been my 100th game. Um, and still copped the spray about something. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, after I'd, I remember... You call that 100 games, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had this amazing way of pulling you back in, though, and just... Just bringing you back, keeping you humble. I played my 50th game in Tasmania... And um, he had my name on the board. Oh, and the 100th game was funny as well because 100th game, he goes, I don't usually do this. I don't get sentimental about players. He goes, Mick, oh, you're one of my favourites. And I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> you just had a funny way of kind of showing this. Okay, he goes, I'm going to give you a lick of the ice cream today. He, oh, mate, for 90% of my games under rice, I started on the bench. He goes, grab my magnet. He goes, you're going to start in the middle. <laughs> it's like, like Oz kick. It was like, it's because it's your birthday. Yeah, you're, you're, in start, the middle. you're starting in the middle. And it lasted about three minutes. And then he's oh, oh, get Mick Barlow out of the middle. He's getting torched on the spread. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he. I'm I'm taking over a bit here. That that's that, awesome. That was a couple of sprays. There was only once in my career, right? I thought, right, I've clocked it. Yeah. No way Ross can get pissed off at me. Yep, yep, yep. It was 2016. My career was nearly over with Frio. Um, we were going like shit as a team, mm. and I was tagging. When Ross told me I was tagging, that's when I kind of rang the manager and said, I think it's over. <laughs> he goes, oh, are you tagging? I was doing the tagging pretty well, though. Who were you tagging? I tagged Zaharakis against Essendon, kept him to 11. Great. On a, uh, Rich against Brisbane, kept him to, like, I think 12 or 15. Also great. But I was finding the ball myself. Mm-hmm. Robbie Gray was my next opponent. And Robbie, I was like, oh, with all due respect to Zaharakis and Rich, they were playing in underperforming sides. Yep. And um, yeah, it was he always was easy. Yeah, 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 but but great players. But kept them quiet, and then it's like, righto, here comes here comes poor Adelaide. The big dog, yeah. Right, Robbie Gray. <laughs> and I'm like, this bloke's kind of like a wizard. He can do this shit that no one can do. He can kick goals. He gets the and, ball. And, and I'm everyone. like, righto, this is the day that I'm gonna. I always went in the game thinking like, what what's going to go wrong? Right, that's going to go wrong. Um, that's really going to be. Ugly, yep. how this is going to end. <laughs> and then if it didn't happen, you're like, well, that wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I tagged Robbie, and I think it's kind of like, and it, it, uh, in fairness to Robbie, it was one of those days of him where ball would bounce between us and it would bounce right to me. Yeah. You and just had just everything going your fell way. Fell in my yeah. leg. We'll go through his leg, fall into my hands. Yeah. Um, Love those days. I had, I'd, I'd 43 and kicked two. Yep. And he he had, I think, 15 or fifteen or 16. So I'd had a pretty good outing. And you also took out the best player. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And Monday comes. As you should, yeah. I'm walking through the corridors. And I'm like, this is the one week I reckon I can walk past Ross Lyon's door. And he'll be like, Mick, like nearly standing O stuff. Like, it's mate, you've done it. Beautiful work. <laughs> but I walk past the office. And I've just gone past knowing he would have seen me. And I just hear, Mick. I pop my head in. Come on here, mate. And I, he goes, I think there was a seat there. I won't exaggerate this, but there's a seat that's pulled out. We go to see. He goes, no, 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 stay standing. <laughs> and I'm like, you won't uh, be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. He goes, 
Just watching the tape. Forward 50, Port Adelaide, too much leg rope. He goes, Robbie Gray, should have kicked three. And then he, then he just gives you the, get out. <laughs> and I'm like, what more do you want? That's when I did ring the manager and say, genuinely over here, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get, on the, get on the phone and get on the phone hard. I'm a tagger now. <laughs> That's so good. So, like, like, Robbie Gray, awesome matchup. Was there any other ones that were, like, real iconic for you? Like, real battles either throughout your whole career yeah. that maybe you and someone else matched up on real hard? Um, not really. The tagging stuff was... Oh, not so much tagging, yeah, but, but more just, ta- like, opponents. Oh, it was pretty in. cool, like, um, playing, like, Chris Jardin. Like, my first year, genuinely, like, 12 months earlier, I'd been... Like playing VFL and watching these guys and being yeah. like, how good is Chris Jardin? How good is Gary Ablett? And, um, I remember getting tagged by Cameron Ling. It felt like my third game. He came off the square and got me under the ribs. Um, and I'd kind of had a crack in my rib, I think, that week and um, couldn't breathe for the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> and he just. And, Tough man, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, Lingy. Um, again, I was a Geelong fan. So running around after three games against Cameron Ling and. Um, against this Geelong side that was uh, the reigning premier, it was like, yeah, this is bloody pretty cool. Um, so there was just, my, especially my first year, it was moments like that where you were a bit of a fanboy but still playing and, and kind of um, taking it all in. The longer you were in it, yeah, it became a little bit more normalised. Chris Judd, my first year, we, I played kind of on, on him a bit and um, that was pretty cool. Like I always marvelled at those guys that, like it was so much of our opposition prep was uh, how good is Chris Judd? How are we going to stop him? Yeah, so that's a whole week. Yeah, and you go out there and play against him. You're like, poor old Juddy is out here with 22 guys doing his thing, and we've just been talking about <laughs> we've him been all talking week. about him the whole week. And our yeah. whole plan is to stop him. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of just this little pawn in the system that you know you wouldn't wouldn't get um too too much opposition and attention into a lot of the time. So I think my first year was. Yeah, the, the, the eye-opening situation. Definitely. All. And then um, in terms of like your teammates as well, so you have like iconic figures like we said before, mm. Pav, Ballas, Ryan Crowley, all these like real like, you know, cult hero icons, Kepler Bradley. Kepler have Bradley. You got, have, you got any, have, you, have you got any good uh, stories from any of your Kepler any Bradley. Um, Kepler Bradley I used to sit next to in team meetings. Great. And he, one of the great men, Kepler. Was he an attentive person in the team meetings? <laughs> yeah, or? well, he, he tried to be, but he couldn't read. Right. Like his vision, like he was, we sat third row in the theatre. So yeah. like first row, second row, third row. And we were obviously a bit further back than the first row. I don't know if he was sitting in the first row, he would have been able to read anyway. Yeah. But we used to have this system when the team got, the team was behind a blind and Ross would do his thing. He'd be like, oh, we're playing Carlton this week and, you know, we've got to stop their uncontested marks. And, you know, it's really important to put the pressure on the ball. And with, when we get the ball back, boys, let's just be, let's just calm down with it, drive the car, all that shit. And, and we'd listen. And we'd wait for the team to go up, and and Kepler couldn't read. So it's behind like a like a little yeah, springboard he, thing. And he he just, just and spring up, unreal. You see the team, the big reveal. And he yeah. goes through your matchups. You know, you're doing this, you're doing this. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna run with um, uh, Mark Murphy this week. And if he pops out of the square, all that, I loved it. That was all this shit. Magnets going everywhere. But Kepler couldn't read, as I keep saying. So he's like, I don't know what was going through his melon. And he was a notorious player to be in the side, out the side, in the side. So he couldn't he see. Yep. His magnet. Yep. So we used to have a system where I'd, in hindsight, this system was a poor system. <laughs> <laughs> I used to just pat him. Um, can't remember if it was pat him softly if he was in, yeah, and grab him if he was out. Like, yeah, you know, to say you're well, out, mate. Yeah. yeah. Whether one day I I mucked it up <laughs> and I'd given him the wrong signal. 
Because the team goes up. I remember uh, the team went up pretty early this day. It's like there's a team like, oh, he's in. But I must have gone like, so he's in. He's got the wrong message. And, yeah. And then about Lost in the, the meeting's gone for another twenty minutes, and all I hear is Kepler go. And I'm like. He's he's really fired up for this match, which is which was uncommon, which was uncommon because he was quite um, quite reserved. He just used to go out there play and like oh, thank fuck that's over. He yeah, was that yeah, kind yeah, of guy, yeah, yeah. but he is breathing heavy and real angry. And he, as soon as the meeting got up, he storms over chairs, gets out, and I'm talking about the and he's like, "What's wrong? Well, what's wrong, buddy? Are you right?" And he goes, "Oh, mate, of all weeks, I thought I'd be in this week. You know, I've been playing well at bloody West Perth." And I said, "You are in." And he goes, "He goes." I thought you'd buddy gave me the tap yeah you gave I me said, the signal said, well whatever the signal was meant to be that you were in he goes oh okay we've got to tidy up that signal <laughs> uh, he, he couldn't he couldn't read I don't think you could smell either right yeah so uh, yeah just so why couldn't he was it just his, as in just vision as yeah, in far just away like, from the board yeah just so far away from the board that, and the magnets was in fairness to him were pretty small <laughs> that's so good <laughs> Bradley, what a gun! Uh, so then, uh, twenty sixteen uh, season for free. That's when uh, that's coming towards the end of your mm. time there. How did that all come about? Like you said, you're kind yeah. of noticing that you're getting a, a tagging role. You're going, fuck this. You're mm. getting the you know getting the um the, the feel. How did it come up to uh, go go over to the Gold Coast? Yeah, played a bit of um played a bit of. So I remember fifteen, well thirteen, well twelve finals, thirteen yeah. grand final, fourteen top four. Yeah, that's right. So it's fifteen prelim. And oh, yeah, I feel like that that prelims one that we, we were in control of the game and Hawthorne just had a patch and um, I feel the 16 season came and whether it it just become a bit too much for everyone or like it, it, we'd been so close that and, just that just happens you know <laughs> to to a group yeah. yeah 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 and um and we changed some things never really heard Ross talk but you know from the outside looking in we went from a top four side to a side that lost the first 10 games yep and um. We made a big shift in what we wanted to do with our ball movement that year. Like the one side we couldn't get past for forever was Hawthorne, and Hawthorne used to have this great ball movement method, really simple ball movement method. Um, and we largely tried to replicate it and tried to say, "Oh, this is how we want to play." Yeah. And it was just—it wasn't—it wasn't us. You know, we were a bit of a grinding side, and um, our ball movement seemed to hold up against every side apart from Hawthorne. So we went chasing Hawthorne. Yeah. And. All of a sudden, all the other teams thought, because yeah. we're trying to turn, you know, Zach Dawson, who I love, but can't kick the ball, yeah. into Grant Birchall. <laughs> and and we're trying to turn everyone into, you know, Grant Birchall, Brent Guerra off half back and, you know, bulleting these passes and getting this overlap. And everyone's got to be like Stephen Hill. Yep, and yep, yep. <laughs> so it kind of fell apart pretty quickly. Yep. And we went 0 and 10. In that period, we, we started to see Matt DeBoer, Tenor Mazungu get dropped. Um, I got dropped. So players, we, DeBoer, Mazungu and myself were out of contract. Yep. And um, so we, we were, and, and others were getting dropped, like Gary Kibbertson, Subin. So a lot of the mainstay for years were, were making way for Lockie Weller and Ed Langdon, which, which, hap- yeah, which happens when you, your club yeah. is is going down towards the bottom. Um, yeah, pretty early on in that year. Because at the start of the year, I was like, oh, let's back, like, let's chat with the manager. Let's back myself in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 28, have a good year. It's 10 for three. <laughs> <laughs> Round eight comes, you're playing for Peel Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you're like down in Manchester going what the fuck yeah against East no we're playing Peel Thunder against East Perth and the, in horrible conditions at 10am in the morning <laughs> um, and you're like you ring, your, you ring your manager and you go not sure the plan's going yeah. exactly <laughs> how we scripted it <laughs> um, got back in though to the team because I probably at that period thought they get, and I you get it you do get it you're like Ross has signed for five years. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's plan, not going anywhere. His yeah. plan's gone to his plan's okay, and his contract was watertight. He kept telling us. Yep, yep. So <laughs> it, it, the last half he came back in and um, was tagging, and I loved it. Like I, I would have been very interested to know what how it would have come about because my last period at Free Frio mm. was tagging and, and loving it. We started to play okay. Yep. And I thought Fuck, this is pretty good. Um, crowds had finished up, and they, Ross loved to tag us. I was like, I might. There was a game, we played Geelong at Freo, oh, at Subi, sorry. Yep. Um, and I was, yeah, for my first time in years, I was playing as a midfielder or tagging and, and finding the ball and, and probably enjoying footy uh, to, a, to a higher level. But um, just after halftime in this game against Freo, uh, Geelong, ball spills out. I'll tell this story a bit, but our meetings, a review of games always started with trademark vision. Yep. And your trademark uh, vision relates to your, your, your values on, on the ground. And the week before against Collingwood, um, there was an RFI trademark clip for me, so room for improvement. The ball spills out, and the, the inference from the coaching staff was that I didn't go hard enough at yep. the contest. And I was like, oh, I'll take that on board. And next time I get a chance at a 50-50 ball, I am in. I'm on there, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, you get a quick chance the next week. Ball <laughs> spills out, and I'm halfway between Manlink McCarthy, who plays for Geelong at the time, and I'm like, right, no RFI this week. I just go at it, lower the body, bang. He gets me right on the shoulder, and like straight away, I'm like, oh, yep, that hurt, that hurt. I'm like, oh, I hope it's just one of those stingers. I've never, yep, yep, I've never yep. had a shoulder injury, but oh, it's waiting for it to Shake wake it up, off, waiting yeah. for it to wake up. Go to the next contest. Ball gets hit towards me to my left arm, and I'm like, can't move. I, I, went, I couldn't move the arm. I was like, oh. my arm wasn't listening to my body. Oh god. So I'm like, uh, might have to go off. Actually, Ballas, we went to the next stoppage and Ballas looks at me and goes, get the fuck off. <laughs> he's like, what are you Stop doing? Stop being a hero. Yeah, he's you. like, mate, what are you doing? Like, I'll never forget it. I was like, and as I went off, that's the last time I ever played for Frio. Like, there's moments I went off and I'm like, that, that, because I knew my career situation. I was like, yep. oh, this, this is probably four games left in the uh, the season. Yeah. I went off and I'm like, oh, this could be bad. If this is, even if it's like a AC joint and you, you miss, they're probably just going to put you, you're done. Yeah. So I remember being in tears in the rooms because they told me, oh, he might have an AC. And um, I was aware of the career mortality. Um, went and got scans on the, uh, like the next day. And the results came back that I'd, like, it was like a car crash shoulder. Like it was fractured. The nerve Just was caught. The, yeah. ner- the nerve was, the biggest con- um, issue was the nerve. Yeah. So the nerve was compromised. So when your nerve's not working, your arm's not moving. Can't do and it. I got told that it could be two years before you move your arm. Oh my god! So there's this is this was a bit like oh god. The, 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 I had to have some serious discussions with my family and all that. Is this it? Yeah. And is it a career-ending injury? And is it you know do I? And it all became because seven days earlier I was thinking I'm playing well enough to either stay here at Frio or get somewhere else, uh, yep. or go somewhere else with some good um, currency. Yep. Soon as this happened, um, I've never got the full debrief from Frio in terms of whether you know medically I probably wasn't able yep um, because there was some really concerns if I would would recover and I remember at at the end of the day getting delisted by Frio 
um, and having some robust discussions in there with Ross and Chris Bond when the delisting happened. Um, they'd be good kind of tell-all like or vision of, yeah. of delistings yeah. and how those conversations go down. But um, Frio, uh, so I couldn't get trade. I remember my manager was like, I was, it's a trade currency. He's like, I think your shoulder's probably holding you back and yep. you need to get medicals. And um, Yeah, so I went to the Suns and did a medical. And I remember at the time, I was like, well, I, it was probably three months after the surgery and I still was like pretty Feeling limping it, it yep. and couldn't, I could lift it to about there. Yep. Obviously, eventually it came good. But I remember doing like a really extensive um, physical with the physio there and uh, the club doctor and pretty much that, later that day or the next day, Rocket Ede and Marcus Ashcroft said, oh, we're, we're keen to offer you a contract and you've passed your physical. I couldn't sign the contract quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just get the arm yeah, up. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was lucky I was right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has – and, yeah, that's that's their job and they do, do a terrific job, the, the, the medics. But it, um, at the time I was a bit like, oh – Still really wasted and couldn't, um, but yeah, I was pretty much into full training as as the next preseason started with with the Suns and um, had a had Adelaide interested at the time as well. Um, Suns and Adelaide, yep. um, yeah, went with went with the Suns and I, it's it's always interesting decisions hindsight. Adelaide were a good side the next couple of years. Um, but my time on the Gold Coast for kind of probably it wasn't a great career or like my footy career there. Again, I broke my leg halfway through my first year there and didn't get much opportunity in my second. But, um, you know, lifelong, again, I've had two pretty cool years on the Gold Coast. Absolutely. Well, uh, I heard that those whole two years, you didn't have your shirt on for the entire time. <laughs> I hear you down the cafe with the shirt off, uh, the mermaid tab with your the shirt off. The mermaid tab. <laughs> With is Brand- that true? Oh, Brand- <laughs> Brandon and I, <laughs> Brandon Matera, who is um, a very, very good, very friend funny man, and yeah. that's tall. <laughs> and um, funnily enough, he did the the flipper. He went from Gold Coast to yeah, Frio. he did the trade. But he, for my first year with him um, on the Gold Coast, yeah, we pretty much he was injured again. When you go, when you injure yourself, you often in rehab. And that's when you build really close connections. because you're with that just one yeah. on one because the team is so many of you the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and Brandon was one that was in rehab and we used to do these Saturday mornings sessions. Alex Rigby was our rehab coach and he used to call it the, the empty out session. Yeah. So, and it, well, the they, were gru- session. they were gruesome. They were like five hours. Yeah. It was like you have to, in a team, you have to get like, I don't even know if these, this equates to a proper session, but it's like you have to swim 5Ks, you have to ride 100Ks in your pair, you have to do the climb, you have to climb Mount Everest on these steppers. <laughs> and we we used to just do it and we're like, oh, we're going to like have a few beers of Sabo because yeah, we're doing yeah, five yeah, of hours. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so me and Brandon, all we did was work out and go to the pub. Yeah, no, that's for our career on pretty, the Gold Coast. Pretty good schedule. No wonder right? it didn't work out. No wonder it uh, didn't really work out on the Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. So now, like, you know, you had an amazing career and, um, you know, some great memories at Fremantle, Gold Coast, Gold Coast, really iconic. If you're sort of, like, looking back on it now in terms of, like, the preparation, performance, skills, all that sort of side of your game, is there anything – because you're doing mm. coaching now mm. – is there any kind of real nuggets of advice that you'd give someone that's about to go through a juniors up and coming to, you know, really yeah. work on? Yeah. Oh, I to think bring it to that next level. Yeah. You know? I think there's always the individual, again, the person you are most accountable to is yourself. Yep. Um, and utilize all the resources, especially these guys and girls that are in pathway programs yep. that have resources of, you know, specialist coaching and 
just always utilize that. Like at Werribee, we run um, between 5 and 5.45 before training is our craft program. And, yep. and that's just where you can get out and, and get your get unlimited your touch. Your it, it, in, yeah. Sometimes it's quite basic handball drills or little kicking games or whatever it is. But, um, but the reps help. Yep. Reps, repetition is king. And, and we a lot of our guys can't access that because you know they might be working and, and get there late. But what we've seen is... Um, you know, there's an easier option at times, especially this time of year when it gets to the middle of winter. To oh, I'll just kind of get a rub instead of the five to five forty-five. Keep building the habit that yeah, prioritise those those opportunities to do the rep, do the skill, and um, over time it just it benefits. And yeah, you're not going to get that instant feedback that you do one session and, and you're all all of a sudden Gary Ablett. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah, commit to the time, commit to the work, commit to the plan. Absolutely. And then you're in the media space big time. You're bloody everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You've got your own um, show uh, on 7 Mates at the moment in Perth. We do. Yeah, how's that going? How's the it's show good. going? good, yeah, with Zave. Um, he's someone, Xavier Ellis, who I, I'll say this, one endearing thing for him. I love working with him. <laughs> he is um, – I love what he I'm, – I'm kind of – He was my – did you know he was my first – Personal, like personal training AFL client. I've seen that. He didn't last. He didn't last. <laughs> he lasted for the period that he was in. I, and then, uh, uh, and then he's not been back since. Well, he said, "I made, um, I made body magic who he is." Because he, I, he had a. He honestly, it was a, that was a big turning point, and yeah. it was then that it all just kind of linked, started linking yeah. up together. So uh, and I'm glad he says that. <laughs> he's a good man, and he's. I, I think his people won't understand this. His work rate is is second to none. Like yeah. in the in the media game, you have like you have to. So big, there's so yeah, much. You know, he's got two kids at home and he, and, a, and a wife, and yeah, you know, he'll he'll do the breakfast radio, other gigs. He's always someone that'll say yes and mm. and give his time. And um, I love working with him because he's got he, he brings a different lens. I, I think um, we try and bring a little bit of a different lens, a little bit a little, little bit of a light hearted lens to. Yep. To, to an industry that sometimes can be a little bit um, very serious, a little bit serious, and a, a little bit probably at times toxic as well. So we like to tackle some issues, yep. but then also have a bit of fun and, and largely pay out on each other. He pays out on my nose, yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> I just pay out on his uh, general being. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys complement each other very, very well. Uh, and then you're also like writing for the paper as well. You've got mm. the it's the Mick Barlow Medal as well. That's a uh, part of um, yeah. I'm not. I don't. Know, I, I'm very much arm's length. From the Michael Barlow medal. The boy, the boy, I love it. The boys on the dream team. Harry Sheasel, right? So you don't really have too much uh, to do with the, how, the, how they do that one? No. Nah, it's just, it's just, they're just using the yeah, trademark. Yeah, which Sheasel might, might um, take it over if, if he's going. I'm not a big dream teamer. Yep. Um, but yeah, I do a bit of media stuff and write the paper in the West, do the show in for Seven Mate and Seven Plus um, with Zave, uh, Hamish Brayshaw, Dean Margetts. Um, and then do some stuff. very funny as well. Just very... Um, some of the stuff he says, yeah. I have to think about what he just said for a sec. And yeah. go, okay, that must it, be that saying what he means, just to try to like fill in the blanks. So. So <laughs> I think, yeah, he has this saying, was it not bad, mate, itself. I think that's his... He says that whilst he conjures up what he's saying next. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, I love his golf Instagram stories. He goes Pretty golfing yep. and he'll talk you through his round. Oh, I'm not big on golf, but I find myself... In, enjoy the journey. Yeah, it. enthralling. He's like... 
not hitting them that well, um, <laughs> but you know, two holes to play. And uh, if I go eagle birdie, then I've had a good round. Which eagle birdie is hard to get. <laughs> and then, uh, so you're coaching Werribee. Do you have like any aspirations to get to the next level of coaching? Because mm. um, that's obviously VFL level. So that's a mm. super high level. Yeah. Have you got any interest of getting into the AFL? Or um, well, I've had some more, like opportunities to go into the AFL. Coach, so Great. I'm quite as lucky. Assistant or as... yeah, like in the development space. Yeah. But what I'm doing now, like the VFL. You know, it's a serious competition. We're, we're in a competition with 14 AFL line clubs. I'm, I'm full-time with Werribee as, as the coach. Um, so I, I feel like what I'm doing um, you know, complements my life pretty well with young family and, and still the media interest. But also coaching your own team, I think there's no... I could have been in the AFL now for four or five years as a development coach and wouldn't have had any of the experiences or, or as anywhere head, near head as, job, as many experiences as being the guy that has to go to players and say, you're out, you're in, um, you, you're off the list, you're on the list. Um, you know, a decision to be made game day on in terms of how do we stop the opposition from scoring, they've kicked around a goal, oh, I have to be the man that, you know, sanctions a move. And it's, I love it. And it's, I love the, especially to get to game day and the comp, the, the combination of the, the build and, and trying to get a result is, it's like nothing in this world doing a job that, at the end of the day, it's win-loss and, yep. and you're motivated to, to give your guys a chance to win. Um, so a long, long way of, I suppose, answering your question that I'm getting all these experiences at the moment in coaching that I otherwise probably wouldn't get in some spaces I've been offered yep. in the AFL landscape. Um, so I'm content. I still kind of don't know fully what I want to do, yep. but what I'm doing right now, I'm I'm loving. Unreal, mate. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming and doing this mm. part. It's been so good to chat. Thanks for uh, always being a big body match supporter. <laughs> I do really appreciate it. Um, good luck with uh, coaching mm. Werribee. Uh, hope to see you, you know, hopefully get a, a job at an AFL mm. club head coaching summer. It would be amazing, <laughs> amazing to watch you. Um, but uh, thanks, mate. You're a no body worries, mate. Also, I'm going to get you to sign this jersey Just here. on that, are, are, we, are we a chance this year? For We're starting. Oh, I, I've got the flag mantle stuff back on. Because it was grim early, wasn't so it? So grim, but, but it's just starting to build just nice. Can I Jackson. give it? Can I give a shout out to him, yeah, mate? Because please do. We were all not we, but the, the, I think the whole what come like I suppose about the toxic side of, of media at times. Um, hey, I don't know him, right? Yep. You know him quite well. He seems like a guy that would take a lot, or, or not really. There is nothing that would worry him. Great. Like, he's, he's he's physically built for yeah. football. But even more so, he's mentally... Yeah, he can disconnect from it he pretty just, well. Like, it just doesn't worry him. He just plays. I love it. It's amazing. He, I don't know how he does it. I wish I was like that for everything that I do. They just, yeah. you know, don't don't put the pressure on yourself as much. And he looks like he's just having fun. And, yeah. and playing well, he's going to be like that compliment of Sean and um, Luke Jackson is going to be special. Um, yeah, they're, they're starting to win a lot of the, a lot of the people around that were, were digging the heels a bit earlier this year and I was probably one that w- was saying you know it was going to be a challenge I said this in my article earlier in the year this year is going to be a really tough year for Frio yep. because they've come off the back of a really successful year from yep. when, no and, one ex- and they probably overachieved a little bit last no year no one expected that from them yep. last year and I, I saw some um, and then the, the, the shifts they made the players going out and the players coming in it, it was attached with risk yep. um, and Luke Jackson and Jagger O'Meara to a lesser extent yes. has elevated their their style and their brand in the last few weeks to be able to put them now into a discussion. I think I think they are still probably a, a six to ten side, yep. and, and right in that mixer. 
but the trend in the last couple of weeks is, is going is towards more six looking, and seven. Yeah. It's looking bloody good. Well, uh, mate, thank you so much. Love Let's it, get mate. you out of here. You're a bloody legend. <laughs> and that's another episode of Fat Chat by Body Magic, all wrapped up. Thank you so much, Michael Barlow, for coming down and doing that. I had, I was laughing so, so much, and I've told those stories to so many of my mates um, since recording that episode with you. So thank you so much and very, very nostalgic for me. Uh, if you haven't already, as always, make sure you follow, like, or subscribe to any of the channels uh, of, uh, of Fat Chat that you're listening or watching on on youtube spotify apple music goes a long way into building the pod getting it bigger and better and i can't wait for another episode next week thanks so much legends chat to you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.